1: And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, Kingstown Communion.net.
0: Good morning. Hey, there we go. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill, fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth, and building itself up in love. The Word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. All right, friends. Well, um, I'm going to start today, and I'm going to hang out in this area for Richard's sake. I'm sorry, I realized last week that, um, that I've made you all, um, those who run the slides, really work real hard <laughs> on, on the video running back and forth. Uh, so you heard, um, you heard Paul this morning as he uh, talked about how the church is being built from apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. So um, we're building this church. yeah we're building this church, and there's you know a driveway up to the church. there's a the door somewhere over here, back in the children, somewhere over here is um you know Brett <laughs> beard. beard there you go, um. Somewhere back uh, back over here is the hospitality table as people walk in, yeah. So we're building this church. Um, and uh, as I once heard it said that as you build the church, as you think of what Paul has said in Ephesians 4, you must think about it like you are building a house. A house of worship is where we're going to go today. And so our teachers, right, our teachers are going to be somewhere over here. Um, our teachers are... are um, are in the children's classroom teaching, um, but they're also like just instructing people in general how to build the house, right? So our teachers are telling them what to get off the trailer. Um, our teachers are, um, are making sure that, um, that, that uh, we have the right discipleship class classes. Our teachers are making sure our, t- our, our students are taken care of. Um, we have our pastors. Our pastors are the hospitality table, right? Um, if you're building a house, you know, and you're doing some hard labor, if you are unloading a trailer in the middle of July, our pastors are going to be there to make sure you have some water. Our pastors are going to be there to make sure that you are taken care of and you know how to connect in the church. Um, we then have our prophets. Oh, we know our prophets. Um, prophets maybe are, you know, all over, um, and they're looking, prophets are are, are looking at the hole and figuring out what's wrong with it. Um, You analysts in the room, they're looking, those who should all over people, you heard me right, um, should, hey, you should, do it should be better, it should be this way, right? Um, So the prophets are looking at the hospitality table and saying that that tablecloth is looking mighty dirty and need to take it home. The prophets are evaluating the music and seeing whether it is, just the right amount of upbeat but also moving, right? The prophets are evaluating the children's ministry, um, seeing if we have enough volunteers or are we asking you too much to volunteer or are we asking you too much for money? Um, All of those things, prophets are always finding out what needs to be done, what should be done. And as the church is being built, um, these people have said that often you don't find the apostles and the evangelists. They're not found as the house is being built. so They're not here because, well, the apostle came in to originally build the house, and the apostle has gone out to build another house. And the evangelists heard that this church was being built, and they didn't stay in the walls, they immediately went out to tell the world about the church being built. This is what Paul is talking about today in Ephesians 4. And we are in a, a sermon series called "Swall Church about building the body. Um, and both the apostle and the evangelist, as they are going to build a new church, um, and this one over here is going to tell everybody about this church that's being built, um, they do this out of this fundamental desire to see something changed to see something converted from what was to what could be. The the motivators in our midst, the apostles and the evangelists, care a whole lot about what can be. The question is, though, does the church today actually want to be in the business of conversion? No, y'all don't like that word. Do you actually want to be in the business of changing people, to share the transformative life of Jesus with others? If so, we're really pretty coy about it. (laughs) Um, We're plenty articulate about why it's not a good idea to be converting people. We point out that conversion is all about the, the airport and silent about the trip. Christianity, we maintain, is about discipline and faithfulness, not, not one moment that solves and settles everything when you come to Jesus. We highlight that conversion is a way of of making faith all about, about me and my experience at the center of God's attention. An utter focus on God can can be a mask, right? for, for a, a total focus on yourself, really, and complete disregard for, well, the things the church should be doing, like justice in one's relationships and, and in the society more broadly. And so we suspect that conversion keys into our profound desire to fit in and to please and to conform and to belong. And so we don't like conversion. We identify it as a tactic of cultural imperialism by which people are manipulated by by those who wield religion as power. So why hold on to this value of conversion? Why hold on to the, the notion that the gospel is worth changing our lives for and the lives of others for? Why hold on to this? Why build the church with people? who will be about the act of always converting and changing and building a church that must be shared in the world. I'd like to suggest that we first have to let, we have to first let go of this idea that conversion is marked by fireworks and of the need to impress people with just how horrible your life once was and how great it is now Instead we need to to focus on, I'd like to focus on three things that really is at the heart of these these people, these motivators in our midst, three things that conversion is really about. First, that, that Christianity is this profound blessing and this profound good in the world why wouldn't we share it? Like, through faith in what God has done, Christianity can heal wounds in people's lives of their past. Through hope in what God will do in their future, it can dismantle our anxiety about the future. Through the transformation of our past and through faith in our, in our, in our future, through hope, it can enable us to, to love in the present. And this isn't the the thoughtless imposition of some imperialistic agenda to convert everybody. It's like this humble sharing of deep truth. It's not shouting, "You, you have to believe to belong. And you have to believe a specific thing to belong. It's saying, try this. I did. And it actually works. In a previous church that I served, um, I, there was this couple that I would have lunch with often and she loved the church. And he could take it or leave it. and wasn't, it, it didn't really do much for him. Um, and she was relatively young but had this kind of debilitating disease. Uh, and she couldn't get to church on her own and so she needed him to get her to church. And he knew that she valued it and so he drove her there on Sundays and he would just sit in the parking lot every Sunday and read a book while she was inside church. And eventually she died and she became one of those great saints um, of the church. The church talked about her, her funeral was held at the church and, and her husband was there of course and a few months later to everyone's amazement he just started attending church by himself. He never came in, he was the guy reading the book in the parking lot. And so they asked him why, like, why now? He said, it was the way that you cared for my wife. I thought I want to be a part of a community that cares like that, and I want to discover what makes people care like that. I want to share in that. And that's what, that's what it means for Christianity to be a priceless blessing and a profound good. That's the discovery that Christianity actually works in the world. That's conversion. So why hold on to this notion of conversion? First, Christianity is a blessing and it is a profound good. We should actually claim that. Second, there is something powerful in placing our trust in the notion of change. When we pray for the heart of Vladimir Putin to, to soften, and when we, when we long for, for a person from whom we're estranged maybe to, to get back in touch with us finally, and when we work to transform humanity's relationship to our planet, or, or we're putting all our eggs in, in the basket of change and some kind injustice There will always be kinds of of science and kinds of religion that maintain nothing ever changes. But change is in the character of creation and sometimes situations and people can change for the better. And it's our motivators that believe that. Conversion is the name for the way a person's heart and a person's soul and actions can change for good when they encounter the embrace of God's, God's arms in their life. Some time ago I met a man who had been in prison and he, he actually said that prison was this gift to him. It was this great gift of public humiliation in his life and final visible statement that the way he had been leading his life was not sustainable. And so while he was in prison, he came to, to faith in Jesus and decided to live his life truly and, and selflessly and he found himself utterly alone but it turned out that that, that loneliness was exactly what he needed. It, it was time to be alone with God and his life since prison has has been this total change. He'd be the last to say he is now beyond reproach but he's, he's a completely different person now. He's not that chancer and. An opportunist that got into trouble before. He's a changed man. That change involved humiliation and hardship and humility, but fundamentally the name for that change in his life was conversion. So, why hold on to this notion of conversion in the church? Because Christianity is this blessing and this good. I believe that. Because there is something powerful about placing our trust in change, in the notion that a person can change. And third, because out of the deepest hostility, and there is so much hostility when it comes to conversion, out of the deepest hostility, the greatest good can come. It's out of the exile that Israel saw this new insight that the God they thought was for them was actually something way better than that. A God who was was with them. Out of the horror of the cross and the tomb came, came Jesus' glorious resurrection. Out of the threat-breathing, threat plot-calculating life of, of Saul, who brought Christianity to the Gentiles and without whose work of converting the Roman world, none of us would be sitting here in church today. This conviction, this trust, is perhaps the hardest part of Christianity to believe, but it is the most... It's the most wonderful to hold, this belief that people can be and should be converted and changed. And that's why it's so important that we build our church, not just to be felt, not just to be owned, but to be shared. That's why it's so important that we build the church with our motivators in our midst, our apostles and our evangelists in our midst, who get that the church, the gospel, is built to be shared with the world. So who are our motivators? Let's look. Richard sure to put it up on the screen. Who are our motivators? Can you? So it's the catalyst, the winner, the storyteller, the commander, the self-believer. We, in our sermon series, um, Swole Church, I've been encouraging you every single week to take the high five strengths test to find out what your top five strengths are. If you scan the QR code today, um, or go to kingstowncommunion.updates.church, you will find that test there, and you can take it right there to find out what your five traits are. And um, these are the five traits that are connected to these motivating personalities. Who are our catalysts? Anybody a catalyst in the room? Yes. Hey, Dana. I'm a catalyst too. Um, I'm a lot of these. (laughs) I'm a lot of those. So catalysts, um, they are the apostles. The catalysts are the ones who got something started and then have been out the door already starting something else. (laughs) Um, You're lucky that I'm still around, really. That's the (laughs) truth. Um, But you keep me on my feet enough Uh, that I always feel like I'm starting something new, right? That's that's the life of a church like this. The Catalysts enjoy getting things started and creating momentum in, in stagnant environments. They want to see things changed. And they want to see people changed. And they want to be a part of changing people and environments and then they want to move on to the next group of changing people and changing environments. Catalysts cannot stand waiting and wasting time when they could be getting things off the ground. Why not just get started? Um, winners, anybody a winner in here? Anybody, in any winners? Uh, yes, a little bit, yeah, winner. Um, so are the winners in our myths? I'm a winner, um, well, I'm one. You know what I mean. I don't. I don't win all the time, but I want to. <laughs> um, they winners typically tend to take the the most mundane task and make it into like a game of some kind. Um, it's that they they see that that change is is invigorating and that um, it can it can it can propel us into a sense of competition. And they feel lost in environments with no defined measure of where we're going and what matters and what's successful, right? Yeah, does that feel like you? Yeah. Um, Another one is our storytellers. I'm also a storyteller, those are my three. Those are my three, I am not the other two. Um, But I'm also a storyteller. Any storytellers in this, storytellers? Wonderful. Um, Those of you, I know we got a lot of doers and thinkers here. Y'all are going to raise your hands the next two weeks. Um, But storytellers, thanks, Phoebe. Um, So the storytellers in our midst are masters of communication um, and really care about changing people with their words. Um, Storytellers also know how to take something that is um, just ordinary and talk about it in a way that makes people get excited about it. Um, I am, um, I'm grateful that, I'm, that you all allow me to be a storyteller. Storytellers have to also hold themselves accountable that the story they tell is not so grandiose that it doesn't match the situation. <laughs> yeah. um, the drain in situations, they, they get drained by situations that don't allow them to express themselves through words in in ways that can change and motivate others to change. Um, Then our commanders. Anybody a commander here? Yes, yes, yes. Um, So I like people too much and I like what people think of me too much to ever come up as a commander. Um, Uh. But we need our commanders in our midst. Commanders love to be in charge and love for change to take place and they have no problem, they, why don't we just stop beating around the bush and get to what really needs to be said. Um, uh, does not surprise me at all that like a Christian is a, is a commander, he'll just walk straight up to me on Sunday, you should, keep that, you should put that board right next to you this time, <laughs> right, like straight to the point, it would be better and this change is necessary um, and you should do, do it this way, and no beating around the bush, just says it as it is. Um, they do not avoid conflicts. They will um, take them head on, mainly because they believe in the power of change. They believe that if we take it head on, we can move past it. This situation can change and something can be better. This situation can be converted from what it is now into what it can be. And then self believers. This is an interesting type. Any self believers in our room? Yes, you had you had some. Anybody else? I think Richard. Richard's a self believer. Um, so self believers are are those people in our midst who are incredibly independent, and um, sometimes they can um, they they believe in change and they don't need you to motivate them to be a part of it. Um, they believe in it enough and they believe in themselves enough and their ability to. Impact a movement like a church, an environment like a church that they don't need. So self believers can be a little bit um, annoyed by like commanders because commanders are telling them what they should do, and they're like, "I already knew and I was doing it. I just didn't need to tell you I was doing it." Um, <laughs> right? There's a little conflict in you. Yeah. That's I'm annoyed by myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but this 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 drive for conversion and change, these are those people in our midst. And it's through conversion that the Holy Spirit takes the worst in the world, the worst in our society, the very worst parts of ourselves, and turns them into the instruments of God's kingdom and channels of Christ's peace on earth. That is what Christianity is for. That's what Christianity can be in the world. Thank God for those people in our midst who believe that, who believe that they can be agents for good in the world and that all they have to do is make just a couple of adjustments and things can change. Paul actually puts it this way. Um, Richard, would you put up the third scripture? Um, Paul says that it's it's these, it's these, these motivators in our midst, these people who aren't willing to say what needs to be said and we all say it in a little bit different way, um, depending on which one you are, but the people who, who are willing to say um, the right thing so that change can take place. Paul says, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. That these people, and those of you who have little bits of this in you, that this motivating, sharing, building the church by being shared quality is truly what makes the church grow. It is these people that are responsible and the people who enact these gifts that are responsible for the church's growth and magnitude in the world. That is, that's what a gift to us. And so let's not give up on conversion. Let's actually believe in it. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the motivators in our midst and those who have these motivating traits within them and live them out in their doing and their thinking and in their feeling. God, we thank you that this, um, this story has invited us into it. Your story, God, is our story now. And because it's our story, it is meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared so that others might turn, might repent, might turn towards you and choose the life (laughs) everlasting. Choose life in Jesus, choose life in the church that might find the kind of Hope and love and joy and peace that they're looking for through a place like this and through people like this. And so, God, we, as uncomfortable as we are with conversion, we all have experienced it. Thank you, God, for changing us from who we would have been if left to our own devices to who we are now. Thank you, God, for being a part of our lives and working to help us Um, in this act of conversion, in this act of telling the story and saying, hey, this worked for me. It's it's pretty wonderful. Give it a try. God, we join together in that prayer that you taught us in your son Jesus to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.